0: Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Norris, and uh, this podcast allows me and others who join me to dig deeper into God's word. Uh, Oftentimes, we discuss major takeaways from the series that we're in currently as a church, and we seek to figure out how to help you and us apply it to our everyday lives. The heart behind this podcast is to give greater context to the passages of scripture that we're teaching through And as a church, help you, the listener, apply it to everyday life and disciple making and family and home and just in general, your walk with Jesus. So thanks for joining us. We're excited to be diving in uh, for this episode further into the book of Titus. If you've been with us At Perimeter Church, either online or in person, you know that we've been walking through the book of Titus over the last few weeks as a part of a series that we've been in called Salt and Light, where the first week of the series, we studied that passage out of Matthew 5, but then we went from there into um, pretty much a verse-by-verse study of the short book of Titus, only three chapters, uh, so it's not long, and so it's one of those that affords us the ability to really walk through it and study God's word in that way. And so uh, we've been doing that the last few weeks and um, God has had a lot for us in this little book uh, that p- packs quite a punch. Uh, this week, I've got Eric Ryan with me. Eric is on our staff now. Eric is not new to Perimeter. Uh, Eric was on our staff for a number of years before he went. Uh, he and his family went to Tallahassee, Florida for three years to help uh, come on staff and alongside of David McNeely. Many of you know Dave, David, who is on our staff for a long time as he's senior pastor at Wildwood Presbyterian Church in Tallahassee. Uh, but Eric has recently rejoined us as a part of our uh, ELT, our executive leadership team. And so I get to work alongside Eric uh, as I give leadership to that team and uh, get to work with some amazing folks there. But Eric, why don't you Tell those listening uh, what you're doing here as a part of the leadership team and the responsibilities you have just as a way of introduction and getting to know you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's good to be here. Thanks, Jeff, for the introduction. Thanks for the job, by the way, as well. <laughs> uh, I'm the executive director of Shepherding and Spiritual Growth. And so uh, really just focused on environments, creating environments, uh, and really the departments that work towards uh, our own spiritual health. Uh, whether that's you know walking through uh, sin and struggles uh, just from a broken world and kind of the shepherding world and and really that includes officers as well and, and the leadership given there uh, and then also just creating environments for us to grow and be discipled. Uh, Perimeter obviously has a long forty-two year history of discipleship, yeah. and so it's um, it's how do we continue um, to really keep those environments healthy. Um, while also maybe dreaming through other environments as well for people just to continue to grow mm-hmm. uh, spiritually. Uh, and so we're excited to be here. Like you said, it's, it's coming home for us. And so that's been
0: really special for us just these last few months uh, to be here. That's great. Yeah, Eric and his wife, Jules, they uh, have recently welcomed their seventh child into the family. I mean, l- literally last week. Literally last week. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, Tucker joining the family uh healthy baby boy so we're excited for you guys on that front um one of the reasons I ask Eric to be a part of this discussion uh, for this Digging Deeper podcast is because uh, Eric is it brings a little bit of a unique perspective to a, a conversation like this. If you've joined us in the past, you know that, um, that typically, so far, it's been uh, Bob Cargo and, and Caleb Click who have joined us for these discussions, and uh, Bob and Caleb serve as members on our teaching team. Uh, but something you may not know about Perimeter is that Perimeter has lots of pastors on staff that are what we call teaching elders. They may not serve on the teaching team, but they are ordained teaching pastors in our denomination, which is the Presbyterian Church in America. And so Eric is one of those. Eric is a teaching elder within our denomination, and he uh, has a seminary degree and um, in so many ways is, is a biblical scholar. Now, he may hear me say that and go, okay, wow, you're pumping me up way too much, but uh, he's, a, he's a dear brother in Christ that I have bounced a lot of things off in terms of just theological discussions and biblical insight. And uh, he's full of wisdom and perspective that's super helpful to me and to our teaching team. And so uh, as I've taught through this series in Titus, We're at the beginning of this year. We're launching into 2021, coming off of a really hard year, obviously, in 2020. And as I was thinking about who could join me for discussion for this podcast, I thought, you know, I'd love to have Eric in there. Uh, Eric has been, just like you guys, listening to this sermon series as a member of Perimeter Church Uh, and just a recipient of the series. However, he's probably also listening through a bit of a different lens based on his prior education. And, you know, there are many in our church who are similarly educated in terms of seminary and whatnot, but, but I thought it might be helpful to have Eric engage with me over the, over Titus and say, you know, Hey, what are some things as you listen to this series being preached? Um, what did you think was terrible from me? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, don't tell that. I don't. I don't want to know that. Um, but no, what uh, what would you say? Man, this is what really stood out to me, uh, and and where I think would be really good for this podcast to press in a little bit more. I mean, remember that's what we're doing. We're digging deeper. Where do we need to press in a little bit more than a Sunday morning gives time for? Uh, and so I'll just pose that question to you to get us started today. Uh, yeah, what do you what do you think when I when I've set and listened and taken in God's word in this series. Uh, Here's where I think it could be good for us to press Mm -hmm. in a little more.
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is um, I've really enjoyed this series. Uh, I echo uh, what you mentioned this week about just the providence of God to place Titus on the preaching schedule coming out of this season during um, the inauguration and and everything else. And um, the first time I've I've had a deep dive into Titus was in seminary, actually had a class on seminary. And I I remember uh, taking that class and really just being taken back by the fact that, you know, you, you grow up, you're hearing all these, you know, comments about what the Bible is, right? You hear basic instructions before leaving earth and, and comments like that. And I remember being taken back that like, God really did give us instructions on how to set up a church and how to lead a church and what those, Leaders should look like, and I think we almost grow up with a lens of man. The Bible is is written to me, right? You kind of hear the whole love letter, and it and it is, um, but it's it's almost more clearly written to God's people, and so He's writing to His people through Paul to Titus. Here's how you set up a church. Here's what it should look like, and as we're getting into now, it kind of overflows into what the people should look like in that city as a whole with those leaders um, set up. And I, I remember just being a little bit taken back by just the clear layout in scripture. Starting really in Matthew 16, you see Jesus sitting with his disciples. He asked all of the disciples, not, not all the followers who were following him, he asked the 12 disciples, hey, who, who do you say that I am? And that's where Peter gives the confession. And he says, you know, on this confession, I will build my church. And then he says this, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, the word of God made flesh, right? The authority of God made flesh is now handing those keys, not, not like... um not like an employee that you would kind of cast a vision to and say, go take care of it, but more almost like an ambassador where they speak on behalf of that that king, right? And he's giving those kings, and, and some people would interpret this passage, uh, as we've talked about before, they would see it as only being passed to Peter, which would be the Catholic church, or others have seen this as the keys go to all believers, but he's not sitting with all believers at this time. And so we would say, no, he's giving it to a plurality of leadership within the apostles. And then you see in Galatians 2, Paul is sharing his testimony. He says, look, on the road, Jesus himself shared the good news of the gospel with me. Jesus Through the word made flesh, Jesus shared the gospel with me on the road. And then he talks about going and sitting under Peter and John. And he says that they gave me the hand of fellowship. And so we see that leadership being given to Paul. And then they immediately send not just Paul out, they send Paul, Barnabas, and Titus, he mentions in Mm -hmm. Galatians chapter two. And, And so it's interesting. Then you're watching in this letter, which the Lord then took and put as a part of his canon, a part of his inerrant word you're seeing this letter where Paul is saying, okay, now Titus, now set up leaders, healthy leaders, godly leaders who will lead. And that authority continues to be passed through that leadership. And we just live in a culture right now where everybody is doubting leadership of any kind. And I think oftentimes we doubt leadership, but we never take the time to actually trace where that leadership's coming from. And just in a few verses, we can literally trace the leadership in this passage from God, himself through the apostles onto Paul, then through the, to these elders to set up this church. And I, I just think so oftentimes we come to church and I remember, I, again, at that time, I, I had no really spiritual leadership. I was obviously active in camp and, and things like that, but God had not really given me a, a people to shepherd. And I remember just processing like, when it comes to the authority, we're, we, we are not all given the same level of spiritual authority. And so added on top of that, you kind of asked what stuck out to me. Well, as, as somebody who is an elder here at Perimeter, I mean, it, it's extremely humbling. It, it can be overwhelming until you kind of get to those gospel-centered passages. Uh, but when I think of just a key reminder sitting under this is in, in a world that says, um, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, you see Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life has passed his authority on and he's going to set up churches to where he continues to give the keys to that plurality of leadership. Um, and just in a time right now where we don't know who to listen to, it was just a reminder. I mean, you, you said it before, right? We both sit underneath a session, right? You and I both, there was a reminder also to me to go, I, I, I'm I a man underneath authority, yeah. right? And even though I've got seminary training and all these different things, I, I'm a man underneath authority and that authority has been ordained by Jesus himself yeah and, and to sit under that and let that wait and then to also go okay as a part of that that plurality of leadership um just to to see there the call is it's always around character we, with the exception of the ability to teach the call is always around your character yeah um and just man it's it's always a
0: humbling reminder but yeah and man it's really good to and to think about how and, and I've said this a few times on Sunday morning, but just to maybe elaborate a little bit more in this setting, it struck me each time I've read through Titus and uh, we were talking beforehand and you were even mentioning like how, how quickly you can read through Titus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a short book. Um, and you said, you know, it's, it's eight minutes. You can read through Titus in eight, eight minutes. And so it's one of those books that read through over and over and over again. And the more you read it, the more God will press in different things. But the more I've read through it, I, I just continue to be um really, really uh, what would the word be? Just struck, I guess would be the word, at how Paul, the very first thing he says to Titus is appoint elders. Um, when you're talking about, man, you know, what does the church need to be firmly established in a really godless context like Crete? Of course, you, of course you gotta have the gospel, you gotta have the Holy Spirit, you gotta have these things that, that we know have to be in place in terms of who's moving and the work is being done by God and God alone. But from a practical standpoint, he says, man, the very first thing you do hmm. is you appoint godly leadership. And what a statement to say, this is how critical this is, this is how important it is. And to your point, it's so important because, uh, my goodness, we have seen so many times, it's like a broken record in the life of the church globally and, and here in America of, of failed leadership, of, of poor leadership, of leaders who get sucked into um, selfish ambition and whatever it may be, and they fall either through immorality or whatnot. And um, no leader, no human fallen sinful leader is, is beyond that, right? And so we have to constantly remember uh, and submit ourselves to, to the authority of the elders, even as elders, and how important and how critical that is. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's something we talk a lot about. If you go through a membership class at Perimeter, uh, we're going to talk about our church government. We're going to talk about how we're set up, uh, not to in any way say, well, look, we we have it better than anybody else, or. Nothing that would be along those lines, but just to say, look, this is what we think is laid out for us in scripture in terms of the order of the church and the authority that God has given and what the leadership of the church is to be. There's interesting though, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on, so your part of your responsibility here with the leadership team is to oversee all the ministries and, and departments within the church that deal with spiritual development, with shepherding Uh, which in that, what falls into those categories uh, is discipleship, Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual formation. And uh, as you said earlier, we've got a long, long, rich history of life-on-life missional discipleship at Perimeter. Uh, But what I love about Titus is Titus kind of lays out for us in chapter two, a pretty clear plan. Right. So talk about that. I, you, you share some thoughts with me before we started recording that I thought would be helpful for people to hear.
1: Yeah, I just think um, you know, here's Titus coming to the island of Crete, right? And and Paul even describes these Cretans and and his
0: his first step really is really this, awesome people by the yeah, way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> his first step is to set up godly leaders, It's to look almost internally, if you think about it that way, is Okay, we we want our church to begin healthy, and then it says, "Baz, for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine." Well, well, how am I supposed to set up classes? Am I supposed to uh, go door to door? I mean, I, I am Titus, you know. Like, mm-hmm. should I just go and be the lead person that's going on? It says, "No, I, I want you to." teach what it sounds with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, be reverent in behavior. And he goes on and he tells each of those groups then to teach younger women, older women to teach younger women, older men teach younger men. And it's really a, a profound picture of discipleship mm-hmm. and, and mentorship and, Uh, coaching and and kind of the leading that way. So how is Titus supposed to impact this island that is so far away from the character of God and acting like the people of God? Well, it still points godly leaders who will then invest in others, Mm. older men and younger men, older women and younger women. And first he charges each of those groups, by the way, to set the example Right, so it's not that these older men would go and they tap a couple people and say, "Hey, come be like me," uh, but rather kind of charges them, "Hey, first set the example. This is what you're supposed to be like." Okay, now train younger men to be this way, and and that's how this sound doctrine almost gets massaged into this church, yeah, uh, in the Island of Crete. and it's so easy in in ministry world even now to to kind of sit there as a pastor or a ministry leader or even just an active member of a church and go, how in the world are we going to train sound doctrine to all these people, right? And you see this plan of one, focus on the leadership. I think sometimes, again, we're looking outward first, uh, especially in this kind of polarized culture. And it's like, man, first work on yourself. Here's what you are to be like okay, now invest in, in others. And, mm-hmm. and to me, that's uh, just, uh, obviously this is in a lot of ways, a home church for us, but that's just what we've loved so much about this place is even more than leaning into a lecture model or, um, things of that nature. We've really leaned into a discipleship model and a mentoring model and coaching model. Yeah, uh, and I think that's what he's laying out here for Titus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's important to always, you know, notate that it's, it's messy. It's, it's, it's done. That process of discipleship, of spiritual multiplication, investing your life in another, is is always uh, a little different than what we imagine it to be. Like we we think of this perfect, like, well, older man or older woman investing in a younger man or younger woman, and it just being this amazing experience. And sometimes it is, but you're dealing with two people who are still battling sin and still battling selfishness in the flesh and the process of the spirit making them more like Jesus. And so it's not always going to go uh, perfectly there, but it is the process through which God has given us. I mean, I think about uh, Paul, uh, this is not something he just says to Titus. He's also talking to Timothy, famous verse, 2 Timothy two two. Uh, what you have heard me say, uh, heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, Paul is just, all he's doing is instructing these other younger pastors to live out what he's done with them and say, hey, turn around, teach others who will then teach others, who will pour the gospel into one another, who will make disciples, who will mentor, so on and so forth. And so you see that laid out. Is, is, so there's this kind of dual nature of what's going on in chapter two. So in chapter one, Paul's laying out here's what the leadership of the churches will look like from a character standpoint. Here's their responsibilities. They're to encourage and teach and rebuke. But then let's talk about individual church members. Mm. Right? We talked about church leadership, chapter one. Let's talk about church members and let's talk about their individual and family life. Who are they to be as husbands and as wives, as fathers and as mothers? Who are they to be as followers of Jesus? And a big part of that is, well, it's understood. That if you're a follower of Jesus in the context of a church, you're going to be pouring your life into the next generation. That's just part of it. That's that's what you do as a church, and that's how the island of Crete is going to be transformed by the kingdom of God. That's that's the plan, right? And so we we talk about here at Perimeter, we talk about what's our plan. We say, okay, we have a posture of radical dependence. We have a purpose of kingdom flourishing. Uh, we we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's the plan? And we say, well, it's pretty simple, but it's profound and it's not easy. But the plan is spiritual multiplication. The plan is discipleship. Because why? Well, because that's the plan that we see in scripture. Mm-hmm. That's the plan that we see. Paul saying, look, how are you going to reach Crete? Plant churches with godly leaders and make disciples. Mm-hmm. And participate in the process of spiritual multiplication. And... Um, And so on one hand, you go, wow, okay, that's it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. But then, oh man, that's a lifelong endeavor. That's getting into the nitty gritty with people. That's messy, that's hard. Um, But it's always, always worth it. Here's what I want to do, Eric. Um, I want to spend the rest of our time together uh, taking us to chapter three. We kind of talked a little bit about some things to press in on in chapter one, a little bit more in chapter two. Chapter three is is uh, there's a lot of hard verses in Titus yeah, in general, true. right? Um, after every sermon so far in this series, I've had people either text me or email and say, "Man, that was that was some really hard truth." Uh, but none of it is probably harder than what we get in chapter three. And uh, right off the bat, Paul's digging into what is it that is supposed to flow out of the life or the heart of a believer who's being trained in righteousness by the grace of God. Okay, that's the end of chapter two. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, okay? So he says that, hey, grace is training us. So then what does that look like? And this is where I've tied it back to Matthew five. Okay, so he's about to say, this is what it looks like to be salt and light. So here it is, you ready? And then, and then he just comes pulling no punches. Submit to your governing authorities. Submit to your rulers and authorities. Be obedient, be ready for every good work. And this is where I commented on Sunday morning of just like, hey, I wish I were bright enough to say, yeah, we plan this to be the, the Sunday after inaugurating a new president. And I, you know, the elephant in the room for so many people is how in the world do I submit to a president and a party that I don't agree with hardly at all? Um, and you know, one of the things that's important to remember is remember that illustration of, um, remember that you have brothers and sisters. If you're listening right now, remember you have brothers and sisters in Christ that you, you might be sitting by in a Sunday service who are not on the same page with you politically. As hard as that may be to believe for you, I've had so many people say to me, can you be a Christian if you are blank politically? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is the wrong question, right? There are people who love Jesus who are on both sides of the aisle, as hard as that is to believe for some people. And so the illustration, remember, of who did Jesus call and his disciples? He called people from all across the map, including politically, where you have Simon the Zealot, devoting his life to overthrow Rome, and you have Matthew, the tax collector, who is getting his livelihood from Rome. And he's called them together to be a part of a new way, a new kingdom to say, look, you can be on different sides of the fence politically. And you're still a part of this new union in the kingdom of God with each other and most importantly with Christ. And so, but he says to a people who are under the Roman government, who is not kind to Christians. And he says, submit to your governing authorities. And then he comes right behind that. And he says, if that weren't hard enough, Oh, by the way, the way that you are to interact with each other, verse two, is to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy or humility toward all people. Mm. Has that hit you? Had, had like, be honest, your yeah. first your first thoughts when you read a verse like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we discussed this a little, bit and I I think what's interesting one is when we say, "Man, this passage is hard." I, I think we. We think on some level, man, I'm having trouble understanding this. Jeff, help me figure this out. You know, it says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. What does that mean? And it's funny when you kind of get a question like that as a pastor, you're like, well, it's English. Uh, You know, it's like it's, it's saying what you think it's hoping it's not
0: saying. Right, um, you you want you want to say like, what does that really mean in the Greek?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> like, and some, well, and
0: sometimes there is there is nuance. Yes, yes, but this is not one of those verses. There, it's right? not. Yeah. And
1: and I think you know it's important to remember that even though we get a new sermon every Sunday, it doesn't mean I have to have processed and applied and been just one hundred percent A plus on that passage that next Sunday because we're moving on and we're moving through this book and and you better be ready. I, I would encourage people that are struggling with this passage and it's probably a lot of us right now um to to process what that means i think it's important to remember god is spirit uh, but he's also a person and and as a person he's going to be a person that's going to say things you don't agree with and i think sometimes we go well he's good though and he's gracious and he's perfect and somehow we paint this picture that means that the God I worship, I'm going to agree with everything He says. Mm. And it's like no one. And I, I always remember Randy's whiteboard right analogy, which I won't try to explain on on podcast. But he used to always talk <laughs> about you know if He's omniscient and there's something over here on the whiteboard that's going on that I'm seeing, maybe it fits somewhere within His omniscience, and it does not fit within my finite understanding yeah. of the world. Yeah. So that's part of it. Some of it's just flat out perspective. Um, But I I think so often, especially um, just in our culture right now, as Christians, when we say, um, I don't understand it, what we're trying to say is, I don't understand this passage in a way that I can swallow. Mm. And and we're trying to say, hey, would you explain this to me in a way that I go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And we come across these passages where this persecuted church is being charged to submit to all ruling and governing authorities. And we go, okay, well, we'll... Okay, explain what he really means there, hmm. and there's a chance he might actually really mean what we hope he doesn't mean. Yeah, and in his and there's also a chance um, that when we do miss it, he's going to take some of those missteps on our behalf. He's going to turn them into something good, and so sometimes we see that good that he's taken our disobedience and turned into good, and sometimes we take that good and we go okay, well, it's good here. So that means what my actions were was good. And it's like, well, no, he may have just used your disobedience. Hmm. Um, and, and, And so there's always consequences kind of in that line. But I think, you know, it's okay to sit and to wrestle with a passage and to understand God because of his perspective, because of his omniscience, because of his power, because of his goodness, because of his grace and mercy and being rich and all those things, he sees the world very differently than Eric sees the world. Yeah. And there's gonna be times I've got to come across a passage and I've got to go, man, I'm, I'm really hoping that doesn't mean what
0: you are saying here <laughs> plainly. Uh, but this is pretty plain language here. You know, it reminds me of the number of times, and I, and I mentioned recently, I think from on a Sunday morning from the stage that uh, I want to do at some point, I don't have this planned out yet, but I want to do a series at some point on um, the hard teachings of Jesus straight from the gospels. Um, because there's there's a number of things when you read the Gospels, there's a number of things that Jesus says that you just go, "Whoa, I don't know what to do with that." And and what we tend to do is just go, "Well, look, let me skip to a passage that is not so hard to stomach." And maybe he doesn't mean what I think he means there. Um, and sometimes so there's good examples, right? Like he says, "If you want to follow me, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you got to hate your brother, your mother, father, and all this." Because does he mean literally hate? Well. That's a good example of saying, well, actually, no, he just means in comparison to your love for for him and his kingdom, it looks like hate compared to our devotion to the kingdom of God and to King Jesus. But then there's other things he says where he says it's easier for uh, a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle than it is uh, – uh, I'm not – what am I forgetting? I messed that up. Um, <laughs> (laughs) Uh, it's easier for a camel to pass the camel than than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom. There you go. And so like, um, you know, what does he mean by that? Mm. Well, he means that it's really hard when you're rich. Now, let me be careful with this because it doesn't mean that being rich is a sin. What he's saying though, is that wealth and acquiring a lot of stuff on earth is incredibly distracting to the mission and to the purpose of the kingdom of God. He's not saying it's sinful to be rich. He's just saying, hey, it gets harder the more you have to stay focused on what the kingdom of God is. And so I'm just giving you examples of like, man, Jesus says some hard things. And so then his apostles, Paul, Peter, John, they say some really hard things as well. And this is chapter three of Titus is is an example of that. Um, But here's what he's getting at. He's saying this. Look, if we are gospel people, if we are a people who have been transformed by the gospel, if we are a people who, verse three, recognize daily, it was, it was worse than bleak for me. I was foolish. I was disobedient. I was hateful. Uh, there was nothing in me that was redeemable, in me, in you, in any of us. But God, but God, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And then if that weren't enough, he pours out the Holy Spirit upon us by his grace and abundance. And if that weren't enough, he declares us righteous. And if that weren't enough, he gives us an eternal inheritance in, in, in heaven with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And, and then, so what do we do with all that? If we're gospel people, If that's what's been true of me, what flows out? What flows out of a heart that's been transformed by Jesus? Well, it's verse two. It's verse one. It's verse eight, which is we devote ourselves to good works because we're a people being made more and more like Jesus. Certainly not perfect in any way, but that's what begins to happen more and more in us. But here's the thing that I want to end on, Eric, is there's a real tendency to take something like chapter three of Titus and we're not even getting into yet. Uh, and will this will be what I teach on this weekend, um, this coming Sunday, but we're not even talking yet about what he says in verse nine. That's also really hard. Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels, which I mean, that verse is America 2020, yeah. right? Um, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So this whole little thing going on now of like, was a believer, am I supposed to share the gospel with that person and help them become more like Jesus or am I to not do anything with them? Right? This is hard. Um, How do we, how does a passage like this how do Christians not die by the sword of should? Hmm. I should be this. I should be. I should be better. How how can this ultimately be life giving? How is this ultimately something that's like, oh my goodness, give make me more like this, Jesus? What are you, any thoughts you have on that?
1: Yeah, I think you've hit on on a good bit of that. Just in the sense you've got to you've got to take the whole letter at some point, and, and you alluded to this, but I think listening to this on the Dwell app, which is a audible Bible app, I think it's eight and a half minutes to just listen slowly read Titus. Mm. Um, but verse three, this this just stuck out to me as I was reading, you know, it's it lists kind of how we're supposed to be, as you said in one and two. And then it says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led us You almost wonder if Paul there is describing the rulers and leaders of Crete. Mm. right? That he's almost saying, hey, look at those leaders and everything that you would say, hey, I don't, I I should not submit to that person because they're, they're what? They're, well, they're foolish. They're disobedient. They're led astray. They're slaves to various pleasures and passions. You're almost saying, because when you look at those leaders, that is who you once were, Mm. right? And so the, it's, it takes, and we kind of use these, Christianese sayings, right? Like, well, you just gotta believe the gospel and remember the gospel. But when we say that, we're talking about like, you're in that hard moment and you're verbalizing to yourself or you're journaling to yourself or you're you're saying in that moment, I, you know what, that person is disrespectful. They believe all kinds of lies. They're given to various passions and desires but I too was like that. Mm-hmm. But for the goodness of God, that he would set that upon me, not because of anything I've done, but because of his, his grace. You, you've got to recite that and apply it to your own setting. You actually have to do this. Like It's not just one of those things where you go, okay, well, I'm having trouble submitting. Let me remember the gospel. You got to take it into your situation and you got to pound that thing in. And you got to go, okay, why don't I want to follow that leader? Well, they're this, 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 they believe this. And it's almost like Paul is saying here, right to Titus, for we ourselves were once full. It's almost like he has pictures in mind of these Cretan leaders and these Roman leaders that he's going, for we ourselves were once that. Yeah. But the goodness and kindness of God saved us. And it's almost like saying, hey, in some ways you're, you're submitting to an old version of yourself. So where you're frustrated, use that moment to go not, oh man, I'm so glad I'm not like that but oh man, the, but for the grace of God yeah. to pull me out and to call me to himself, I would be that way. And so he's saying, so just, so submit. And as we said, salt and light, be the light of Christ yeah. because they're gonna be so different from you that they're gonna see that and, and know you disagree probably on yeah. some level yeah. and see that light shine. So I, I just think sometimes we jump to kind of this, well, you just got to remember the gospel. And I don't think we realize like there's going to be days you've got to on the hour, apply the gospel to that situation. You got to yeah. tell yourself, you, you got to wake up some mornings, not wanting to go to work because of the authorities at your job and how they treat people and how they act. And you've got to preach that thing to your heart. Yeah, And in order to do that, that's why it's so important in Titus two, right? The whole sound doctrine and getting that through to people um, so that as they go and as they have to do this submission, Um, but it's not, it's not entirely passive. Yeah. And I've, I've used this analogy a hundred times now, but Rankin Wilburn in his book, union with Christ, he gives the the analogy of three boats. I don't know if you've read that. Um, but he's talking about how do we walk in the spirit? How do we appropriate the power of the spirit? And he said, well, it's not a motorboat, right? You don't just get in and go, okay, well, I'm having trouble submitting. The Holy spirit will make it happen. I can just have a bad attitude and, and watch what happens. And he said, and it's not a rowboat. You don't get in there and you try to grit your teeth and be a better person. He's like, it's more like a sailboat where the wind is uncontrollable. You don't control the wind. It's the power, but you have to get your sail in the right position. And that's what the means of grace are. That's what it means to get into the word. That's what it means to worship as a community. That's what it means to pray and to experience the sacraments. That's us moving that sail into the place where the spirit is moving. And as he moves, all of a sudden, man, we're able to submit. All of a sudden, we're able to do things we just didn't
0: expect to be able to mm, do. That's good. That's really good. Uh, I'll close with this. Um, and I, I want to share a very quick story that I hesitate to share because it, I don't like sharing stories where I'm pitting myself as the guy who did something right because I, I mess up all the time and, and desperately need the grace of God in my life every day. But because I'm just, I want to give an example of how when we immerse ourselves in God's Word, the impact that it has on us, and how we are being shaped, we're being formed in ways that we don't even realize uh, inwardly because of the uh, the the living and activeness, if you will, of the Word of God. And a lot of times it's happening in, behind uh, you know behind the, the 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 curtain, so to speak, that we don't realize. So because I've been in Titus so much. Over the last month. And I've just been uh, meditating on so much of this uh, in many ways, just so I can preach it well. But God's been doing a work in my heart as a result. So I preach what I preached this past Sunday uh, in this passage in, in chapter three. And, and verse two has just been wrecking me of, you know, speak evil of no one and with gentleness and perfect courtesy. Towards everyone, to all people. I mean, I just this has just been over my head, over, over and over in my head, just like, oh my goodness, like, Jesus, there is no way I can be that apart from your power within me. So after I preach it Sunday morning, late Sunday afternoon, our youngest daughter has a basketball game. And Rachel and I are in the stands, social socially distanced and far away from other people. But the guy that's closest to us, that's probably about 10 feet away on the same uh, bleacher bench. Uh, by the way, this is nine year old basketball. He's going crazy. He's yelling at the ref. He's yelling at his daughter. He's he's I mean it, he's out of control. And everything in my flesh wants to confront the guy and to not show perfect courtesy and uh, to I want to I, I want to talk to Rachel. I want to speak evil of this guy to my wife. And as all this that's coming through my mind about what I want to do, all I can think about is verse two. All I can think about is Titus three, verse two. What does it look like to show perfect courtesy to this guy uh, and to not speak evil of him? And so uh, what ends up happening is instead of me doing what I wanted to do, which is call this guy out and make the matter worse, the referee actually ends up walking over and confronting him and saying, "Sir, you're going to have to calm down," which was a much better way of dealing with it than what I wanted to do, and it de-escalated the situation. And it was as if the Holy Spirit just said right there on the spot, "See, when you live out what I've instructed you in your Word through the power of the gospel and the Spirit of Christ within you, it's so much better. It's so much better. Better." The 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 old Jeff would have totally confronted that guy, and I would have spoken evil of him. And I would have not shown him courtesy. Um, but in the moment, the spirit led, the sails were in the right spot, the wind blew and uh, and things worked out to the glory of God. So just a simple little illustration that's fairly you know, benign, yeah, and but hopefully a, helpful.
1: That's such a good illustration. And I, I think sometimes we can go, okay, well, that's a pastor, but the work to put in, right? You didn't just read Titus you know, 3-1 time and kind of get up there and wing, right? You, you had to study, you had to sit in there and, and the Spirit used that effort, right? Of, man, a 35-minute monologue twice in a row and just being saturated in it. But that access is for all believers. And that's what's so amazing is that access is for all of us to fellowship with the Holy Spirit in the Word of God and to experience that. Because in a moment, in an in a odd way, I mean, how powerful that the Holy Spirit spoke to Jeff through His Word in His memory at a nine-year-old basketball game. Yeah, you know, yeah. like just to go, man, that's that's awesome. But then to think, I can do that too. Yeah, and and it's not the Holy Spirit going, well, he's an ordained teaching elder. I'm going to yeah. start speaking to his heart. But it's going, no, he just in the Word of God. Right. Does, is it helpful that it's his job description?
0: Probably. Yeah. But but at <laughs> but, the same time, it's. You know, I tell people all the time, man, if you, if you walked with me throughout the day, you'd, you'd be surprised. You see a pastor on stage and you think he's got it together more than I do. Mm -hmm. You'd be, you'd be surprised and you'd probably be really happy (laughs) with, wow, he's just like me. Yeah. He needs Jesus. He needs Jesus just as much as I do. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. There's so much more we could talk about and, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's always so much in God's word. To dig into, and so be sure to check out Perimeter Church uh, podcast. We do another podcast called Thinking Biblically that we do probably every six to eight weeks somewhere in that time frame, and and that one's geared a little bit more towards taking some some difficult issues that we're facing uh, as a culture and uh, trying to think biblically about those issues. Um, if you have questions or comments for for us, you can send them to digging deeper at perimeter Uh, And then head over to perimeter.org forward slash podcast where you'll find show notes on each episode that we do uh, resources that we may mention in any of our podcasts will be included there. And uh, we'll also have some key takeaways and questions. So uh, we want to be a resource to you. We want to bless you. And so uh, we pray and hope that this has been a blessing for you. Uh, But we'll see you next time. Until then, God bless.